Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Um, we're going to be doing a part two of These Few Words Have Been Changing My Life. Um, that episode, it's from the same book, um, The Ceaseless Act of Love. And um, I'm just going to be reading from a couple of chapters out of the book because they've been actually still, the words are still changing my life, my life, um, <laughs> that are in this book. I, it's, it's an incredible book and I highly recommend that if you haven't gotten it yet that you get it and read it. It's the, one of the easiest reads. The text is super big and the book is really short, um, but it definitely transformed my whole outlook on suffering and on doing things out of love for God. episode was on mental health and therapy if you haven't listened to it yet go ahead and listen to it if you want uh it's literally me rambling on about therapy and stuff like that um but I hope you all had a really good Easter my Easter uh what did I do I had dinner at my parents house and my sister and my brother-in-law came up um as well as their friend um who came to visit and we it was such a relaxing and chill Easter I was so grateful for it it was actually like maybe one of the better Easter's that my family's had it was nice it was nice outside so before dinner we went and took the dogs for a walk up in our field which was super nice um I love going for walks up where my parents live because it's in the country where there's really nobody and we have all this land that we can just walk on and I usually run on run it on it in the summertime which is a lot of fun too. I love doing that. Um, but yeah, we had dinner and then we watched um, season two, episode one of The Chosen because it was like the premiere night of episode one for season two and it was so good. I highly recommend that show if you haven't watched it yet. You can get it. You can download the app on your Android or Apple device and it's free. So the way that they do it is like a pay it forward type of thing. If you have the money to pay it forward for the next person to watch it for free, then they ask that you can you do that. But if you can't, you can still watch for free. There's no like you don't have to pay, which is a nice thing for people who are kind of wanting access to a good Christian show um, and maybe can't afford it or can't buy like a show or whatever. Because the Bible's a pretty good series too, but I think you have to pay for that. Sometimes it's on streaming platforms, but I think it's off of them right now. But yeah, that show has totally transformed my outlook on Jesus. It actually makes him seem human and have emotions. Um, and like being a friend to the apostles, like it, it, it totally changed my outlook on Jesus. It made me have a deeper relationship with him, genuinely. Like, I'm not even just saying that. Like, it is such an incredible show. It's so, so good. If you have children, I don't think they should watch the first episode because that's the one about Mary Magdalene. And if you don't know anything about Mary Magdalene, 
um, she had seven demons in her. And so it shows part of that in the show, not the demons, but her struggling with that, I guess you could say. Um, but yeah, the show gives a whole different perspective on, on literally everything. Like, I just, I can't say enough about it. And every person that I've showed that show to or told about, they are, they're so grateful that I told them about it and they love it. So, and especially even for people who don't know anything about Jesus, like, that's a good show to introduce them to what he's like and the life of Jesus. Like, you don't need to know anything about him to start watching that show, which I think is really good too. It's, it's a very good show. All right, so I guess we can get into this book. Um, if you hear any background noise, it's because my brother is working on his dirt bike in my basement, and I'm in the upstairs room, but I can hear it right now, and, uh, yeah. Anyways, we're going to be picking up, if you have the book, we're going to be picking up on page 72. I'm going to be reading a last, the last part of a paragraph of chapter, He Leaves Us Free to Choose, and it's chapter 14. Um... Oh, that was, that was odd. I don't know. I don't know. My phone just shut off. So I don't know if you've heard that, but it was, we're picking up from He Leaves Us Free to Choose on chapter 14 on page 72. God wants everyone to be saved, but it is love that saves us. And to love, one must have free will. Love is to freely choose to deny self and to put God And this is for loving anybody even. You, you freely choose to deny yourself to love. Christ said, we live in a culture gusto, and if we break respect for authority, we will find happiness. But Christians know better. We love Jesus, we have tasted the sweetness of the Lord, and we would rather be on the cross with him than be on a cruise without him. We know that there is no peace, no true joy without Jesus. When we have him, we have everything. St. Augustine had this to say about happiness. There are two kinds of persons, those who seek their happiness in God and those who look for it in themselves. The first have the spirit of the Lord within, the second are dwelling alone. If it is asked why the one are happy, the right answer is because they cleave to God. If it is asked why the others are miserable, the right answer is because they do not cleave to God. There is no possession that can make any rational or intellectual creature happy except God. And if you don't know who St. Augustine is, he had a crazy conversion. He was very worldly. He had a kid. Um, he was a lawyer, a very profound lawyer, like very, very well known. Um, and then he had this massive conversion and was a priest and just, he's a doctor of the church now. Um, but if you don't know who he is, you can definitely look up more about him on google and youtube there's plenty of information about him a good book to read by him is the confessions of or about him but by him i guess is the confessions of saint augustine very complex but very good um yeah and there are other books too about him and by him um okay now we're picking up on chapter 15 prudence needed Jesus is saying that a ceaseless act of love consists not just in making acts of love to him through prayer, but it also must include acts of love to our neighbor, 
Our service can be an act of love when we see not the person or persons we are serving, but see Jesus and do all for love of Jesus. Whether we have a particular fondness for those we serve or not, whether we are performing a service we enjoy or not, is of no importance. In fact, good acts that go against our nature but done for love of God are more meritorious. (laughs) Sorry guys, I totally murdered that word. This is an act of love that no matter who it is we are asked to serve or what it is we are asked to do, sin excluded, we do it willingly with love for Jesus with a sweet smile. Jesus said to say a resolute yes to all, but of course that is not a blanket statement, true in all circumstances. He clarifies that we say yes unless it interferes with our duties or go against charity. For example, a wife and mother should not neglect her family responsibilities or go against her husband's wishes by assenting to requests to help others with the reasoning. Jesus said to say yes to all, to all. Duty and charity come first. In the book Mystical City of God by Venerable Mother Mary Agreta, there is a scene in the life of the Blessed Virgin Mary where the devil would occasionally send a woman to knock on Mary's door to try to engage Mary in conversation in order to take her away from her contemplative, contemplative life of silence and prayer. Mary's seat of wisdom would politely greet her, politely dismiss her, and return to her prayer and duties. Chapter 16. A Test of Love Like the angels, we must have a test. The fallen angels' sin was pride and disobedience. It would be wrong to imagine that the immediate condemnation of the rebellious angels without any further time or reconsideration and repentance is any reflection on God's mercy. The very excellence of the powers of the angelic mind is such that reconsideration as we understand it is meaningless for them. They were in full possession of the facts of the case, completely undisturbed in their judgment by any earthly possession, passions, or by lack of reflection, and they saw their obligations and the heinousness of their crime with a clarity that is far beyond anything we can imagine. No amount of time for reconsideration will lead to a reversal of their decision. By their sin, they lost happy, the happiness of heaven and became subject to the unspeakable torments of hell. This involved the fearful pain of the loss of God, of the loss of all power to love God or even to love anything else, and that was coupled with the clear knowledge that only in loving God could they find happiness, and that their own free act had made that love impossible forever. Their hatred for God and for all that belonged to him was then unspeakable when they saw the beginning of his plan to create the human race and to raise its members to the exalted positions which they themselves had lost, their fury knew no bounds. From that moment, no effort would be spared by these mighty intelligences to destroy the human race. That was by The Tremendous Lover by M. Eugene Boylan. The earthly church fathers said that Satan fell when God manifested to the angels his plan to become man born of a virgin, Satan and those who followed him were too proud to serve God, looking like a species beneath him in dignity, not nearly as magnificent a creature as an angel. A human being is composed of body and spirit, so to understand and inclined to do evil, some of the angels would not bow down to and adore God looking like a mere man. St. Michael and the others, even with their great intelligence, did not understand completely this great mystery of the Incarnation, but they humbly fell to their knees and worshipped the God-man. This was the test of the angels. Many failed due to their pride. The price of that sin was that they were cast into hell for all eternity. 
Now they bear great hatred for God and man. This hatred drives them to get as many of us to hell as they can. Our test is similar to that of the angels. At the Last Supper, Christ took bread and said, This is my body. He took wine and said, This is my blood. Ever since then, God dwells among us under the appearance of bread, a species far beneath us, bread, an inanimate object. He looks like a piece of bread. The proud will not accept his words when he tells us in sacred scripture that he is the bread from heaven, and whoever eats his body and drinks his blood will forever live. His humble, faithful followers, not fully understanding this sacred mystery, like St. Michael, fall on their knees and worship our Eucharistic Lord. St. Thomas Aquinas said that because Satan loves power, God chooses to overcome Satan, not with power, but with weakness. Jesus hanging dead on the cross, Jesus in the Holy Eucharist, what could appear weaker? It is love and humility that triumphs over evil. How this must confound Satan. Humble adoration of God with us in the Holy Eucharist brings down torrents of grace upon the world. It brings light and weakness and weakens Satan's power. The more who lovingly adore the more Satan is weakened. Mankind's humble adoration of God with us in the Holy Eucharist will be the weight that crushes the head of Satan. So in striving to make our lives a ceaseless act of love, we must guard against the idea that our Lord wants this act of love. Jesus, Mary, I love you, save souls. To the exclusion of other prayers like the Holy Mass, adoration of our Eucharistic Lord and the Holy Rosary. No, the Holy Mass and adoration and receiving Jesus in Holy Communion are the greatest acts of love we can make, and if possible, we should do so daily. At Fatima, Our Lady said that the Rosary is the greatest weapon against Satan, and she asked us to pray every day with family if possible. The Holy Eucharist is the source of holiness. The more we love and adore our Eucharistic Lord, the more grace we receive and the more souls we save. The Eucharist is Jesus, the source of holiness. Receiving him with love and holy communion is the greatest union with God possible on earth. The acts of love outside of adoration and mass are the means to continue to adore our Lord, to save souls, and to receive great graces. Chapter 17, An Ardent Effusion of Love Remember that an act of love on your part can decide the salvation of a soul, its eternal salvation. So see that you don't waste a single Jesus, Mary, I love you, save souls. Jesus, Mary, I love you, save souls includes everything, the souls in purgatory as well as those in the militant church, the innocent soul as well as the guilty one, the dying one, the atheist, etc., all souls. Love is holiness. The more you love me, the holier you will become. Remember that it is love and love alone that will carry you victorious to every summit. Our act of love can be set in a formula at, a cer at certain times, as Jesus said, but it is not to be a mechanical repetition of the formula. A ceaseless act of love must be a continuous, silent, and ardent effusion of love and charity, insofar as what Jesus wants from us. It's not the number of acts of love that is most important between two people. If the former makes a thousand successive acts of love, or nearly that many, and the latter makes a lesser number but slips them into every free moment, free moment of the day and remains closely united to Jesus, then it's the latter person who will have better understood the little way of love. The storm clouds are gathering. It is getting very dark and imminent. Chastisements loom over us. Why would a loving God send chastisements? Because he is merciful. In Noah's days, 
during the time of the great flood, there was so much darkness in the world also. If God had not sent the flood, the sin would have continued, and souls, so many souls, would have been lost for eternity. But because of the flood, many cried out to God before they died and were saved. God's love for us impels him to do whatever is necessary to save our souls. He is a good, merciful Father who longs for our love. He longs for us to spend eternity with him in unimaginable bliss. After all, he paid a terrible price for our salvation, the blood of his only begotten Son. We are given a lifetime during which each of us will either add to the light or we will add to the darkness. Each thought, each word, and each action will either make this world more like heaven or more like hell. Pondering the messages Jesus gave to Sister Consolata will help us become more aware of the thoughts that enter our minds and the words that come out of our mouths. And I can tell you this, after I read that, I've become so aware of everything that I'm thinking of people and everything that I'm saying to people, so much so that, like, I, it hurts when I say something that is short, when I'm short with people, or, um, I don't, I don't know, I've just become so much more aware and more, um, very, more careful with my words, um, and God has just put that on my heart. This book is completely transformed the way I think even. Um, scripture tells us that the just man falls seven times a day when those of us who are trying to love God and do good find that we have failed in some way in our efforts not to worry. The Lord can use even our failures to add light to the world, more light than if we hadn't failed. When we sin, repent, and humbly, conf and humbly confess our sins to a priest, we can receive more grace than if we hadn't sinned. And when I read that, that totally transformed my, like, God is so merciful that even if we do sin, he's just going to bless us. He blesses us even more because when we humbly go to confession and we confess our sins to the priest, he's just going to pour out so many graces to us than if we hadn't. And he was, continues to pour out graces to, to us even if we don't sin. But it's so beautiful that when we do, there's just so many graces that are poured out upon us because we choose to be humble and go to confess our sins and repent and try again. In fact, that is one reason he allows us to sin so that after repenting, we can love him more than if we hadn't sinned at all. And I can totally vouch for that because I, that has been happening to me a lot lately, going to confession because I'm sinning and doing things and being a human. And it's totally transformed. Like my heart is completely different. I'm different. It's more united to Jesus and I can feel it and I can tell. He said to Simon as Mary bathed his feet with her tears, her many sins are forgiven because she is loved much. God the Father told St. Catherine of Siena, Sometimes I allowed the world to show them souls what it is so that feelings, feeling its diverse and various passions, they may know how little stability it has and may come to lift their desire beyond it and seek their native country, which is the eternal life. And so I draw them by these and by many other ways, for the eye cannot see, nor the tongue relate, nor the heart think, how many are the roads and ways which I use through love alone to lead them back to grace, so that my truth may be fulfilled in them. I am constrained to do so, so by that inestimable love of mine by which I created them. I think most of us realize that there is much sin in the world and in the church today. 
The body of Christ is suffering greatly. She is very weak. Perhaps what adds most to the darkness are not the sins of the unbelievers, but those of Christians who live with a terrible indifference towards God and towards the fact that his Son is dwelling among, among us in the Holy Eucharist. In these days, many have no sense of sin. They reject in their actions, if not in words, some of the church's teachings. To reject one of the official teachings of the church is to reject the Catholic faith. To lose the faith, it is not necessary to believe nothing. It is enough not to believe one sole article. It is even enough to doubt it. Do you hesitate to believe in indulgences or in purgatory? When you would give your life for all the other truths, you would die unfaithful and you would be, be martyr only of your own sentiments. St. John of the Cross. Thomas Dubé says this about the church. Despite the sinfulness of some of her members, she, the church, remains the home of the saints, the people who embrace her teaching without selectively, selectivity and live it to the hilt. They are the beautiful ones who show why the church is the home of delight, a transforming delight, which is what her mystics are mainly about, our destiny and how to get there. Let us be among those who fulfill the destiny for greatness, for which God created us. He is worthy to be loved above all else. Always remember his infinite love for us that compelled him to endure the greatest agony ever suffered and to shed every drop of his blood so that we would not have to suffer, but could spend an eternity of unimaginable happiness with him. Our Lord's passion was a short time as measured by movement of the sun, but if we measured as moments of pain are really measured by the intensity of agony, those few hours were longer than the whole duration of the world, for we cannot conceive what our Lord endured in those hours. His body was designed for suffering, and the power of his divinity was used only to avoid the remedy that human weakness would otherwise have found, that of loss of consciousness, and even of life, through sheer pain, no human being ever suffered as our Lord suffered in that physical agony, and the physical agony was a mere drop in the ocean compared with the exquisite agony of his mind and heart, for the heart of the crucified burned with a more intense love of God than the world has ever known, and the Son's heart was torn by the offenses that men offer to his heavenly Father, and in the same heart there was a fire of love for men, of love for each man and for every man, and the lover's heart was torn by the thought of the coldness of those whom he loved and the loss they were incurring by their refusal to love him. On the cross, that love wrings every drop of blood from his divine heart. Truly, we must call him this tremendous lover. The other day, one of our sisters said that Jesus tells us to think only of him. He asks only what we, he himself does for us. For if he forget, forgot us for even an instant, we would fail to exist. Another sister said that he asks us to think only of loving him, as he thinks only of loving us, as he awaits us in the tabernacle to come and love him, to return love for love. Oh, how I thank God for my sisters, what great graces he has given these beautiful young souls. And then I think I'm just going to read one more chapter. And then um, maybe I'll do another episode on this. Chapter 18. I desire a continuous act of love from one communion to another. It is the Lord. The Holy Mass is the highest form of praise, the perfect prayer. It is perfect because it is an act of God. It is Jesus offering himself to the Father. Even if the, even if the music is not great or the sermon is not so interesting, it is still the perfect prayer. 
It is the offering the Son of God makes of his life to God the Father. Good music and inspiring sermons are good things and can help us lift our hearts to God, but they are not essential to worship. When Jesus went to the temple to worship his Father, he did not do so with the exception of being entertained to hear beautiful music or hear good sermons. He went to worship, and to worship is to cease self-seeking and focus on pleasing the one we come to adore. That should be our incentive when we attend Mass, to unite our lives with Christ and offer our lives with his to our Heavenly Father. If everyone in the congregation would come with that intent and participate fully in the Mass, praying from the heart and joining in the prayers that and hymns, the music would be out of this world. That is what Vatican II meant by active participation in the Mass. Everyone present participating with mind and heart. It's all about God. It is time to make a total surrender of love to him who created us and keeps us in existence. Sadly, too few know the true value of the Mass, and some abandon the faith not because of, ins- not because of a sincere t- search for truth, but to satisfy the senses, to hear beautiful music, make friends, and feel good about themselves. Even worse, some stay home and watch some preacher or devotion on TV or the computer. They don't understand that the Mass is the perfect prayer. In the holy sacrifice of the Mass, we stand at the foot of the cross, offering our lives to the Father. We worship the Lamb who was slain, and then go to the banquet table and receive as food the divine Lamb of God. We receive a sacred, glorified, divinized body and blood. <laughs> Any worship service outside of the Mass, even with the beat music, even with the best music, I've been reading for too long, now I'm going to start slurring and not sounding right. And the best preaching cannot begin to compare with the abundant graces that are given by devoutly attending Holy Mass. The Mass is the perfect prayer. It is an act of God. Mass is the greatest thing that happens on earth. It is essential to our spiritual life and essential to maintain our union with God and be prepared to see the face of God at whatever moment he may call us home. That is why church law requires us to attend Mass every Sunday and all holy days of obligation. To miss Mass without just cause is a mortal sin. I heard someone once describe a person in mortal sin as a walking spiritual skeleton. The word mortal means deadly. Some disregard this law and go to Mass not at all or only occasionally. There are some who go to Mass regularly but do not regularly go to confession. In spite of that, almost everyone attending Mass goes to Holy Communion to receive Jesus in Holy Communion and benefit by it. We must be in a state of grace. To go to Holy Communion not in the state of grace is to commit another mortal sin. It is a sacrilegious communion, a great evil. Read what St. Cyril, one of the early church fathers, said about it. They who make a sacrilegious communion receive Satan and Jesus Christ into their hearts. Satan, that they may let him rule, and Jesus Christ, that... They may offer him in sacrifice as a victim to Satan. Strong words. It helps us understand why it is a mortal sin to receive Jesus in Holy Communion when we are not in this state of grace. The Knights of Columbus in the summer of 2015 took a poll of Catholics that included a question about the real presence of Jesus in the Holy Eucharist. 64% of the non-practicing Catholics said it is just a symbol Only 65% of practicing Catholics said the Eucharist is the true presence of Jesus Christ. What a terrible sadness. 35% of practicing Catholics, those who go to Mass and receive our Lord in Holy Communion, either don't know about or reject the Church's teaching on this essential matter, the source and the summit of our faith. The Eucharist is the heart of our faith.
It is the heart of God. It is what makes our faith worth living and dying for. Every practicing Catholic should be able to say with all their heart and be ready to prove it with their actions, My Jesus, I love you above all things. I believe that what I receive in the Holy Communion is your body, blood, soul, and divinity, the living God incarnate. I believe it is you because you have said it, and I am willing to give my life to maintain this truth. There are those who reject the church's teaching, and there are others who simply do not know what the the church teaches. Some were never taught, and some who heard but did not listen. Once I attended Mass at a local parish. Two little girls were altar servers. This particular parish had perpetual adoration. So at the end of Mass, Father enthroned our Eucharistic Lord on the altar, and he and the girls left the sanctuary. Then the girls came out of the sacristy and kind of trotted past the altar without stopping to genuflect or bow to our Lord, who was solemnly enthroned there. I felt a nudge from the Lord to go out and talk to them, so I went into the main church and went up to them and said, "'Girls, what a privilege that you were able to serve Mass.' Was this your first time? They said no. It was their second time. After a little chit-chat, I asked, Who is it you receive when you go to Holy Communion? Without hesitation, they responded, The body and blood of Jesus. I replied, Yes. That's right. The body and blood of Jesus. Now, it is his dead fle- it, now is it his dead flesh we eat? Or is it his living flesh? Is it the living Jesus? It is, a, is it a symbol? They stopped, looked up, at the, looked up to the right, and said slowly, I guess it's a symbol. I have had this conversation many times with Catholics of all ages, from teenagers who have gone to Catholic schools all of their lives to older people who go to daily Mass, and sadly, the vast majority have have replied as those little girls did. But the good news is, the end of the story after the response, I guess it is a symbol. I said with much joy, I have great news for you. It's not a symbol. It's Jesus, the living God, and he loves you more than you can imagine, and he longs for you to love him. He told St. Margaret Mary that he thirsts to be loved in the most blessed sacrament. And you know what? He's in the chapel on the altar right now, and I bet he's saying, hurry up and let them come to me. They were listening very intently. Why don't you go back into the chapel and get down on your knees and tell Jesus you love him? That will make him so happy. Those are his favorite words to hear. I love you. With big smiles on their faces, they left immediately and hurried back to love Jesus. I could almost see him smiling. Those who have a deeper understanding of Jesus' presence in the Eucharist are usually those who had been taught the faith at home. It is very difficult for teachers to teach the faith to children whose families don't love and practice it. For those children, no matter how many times the teacher presents the truth of the faith to them, they find it almost impossible to integrate it as truth, because actions speak louder than words. Imagine what it's like for children whose parents don't know the faith, don't practice it, and don't communicate by their actions that they love Jesus. When these children do go to church, they see people line up with outstretched hands and receive a white circular piece of bread and walk away as they put this bread into their mouths. In the children's mind, do they subconsciously register statements like, The teacher told us this bread is Jesus and Jesus is God. No one acts like this is God. It can't be true. Nobody talks about it and they don't even seem to care that God is in that gold box they call a tabernacle. How can it be God if no one talks about him at home and no one is acting like it is God? May the Lord pour out his spirit upon us and fill our hearts with great love for Jesus so that we will love him above all things and receive him in Holy Communion every day if possible, even if it is at a cost. St. Pio said that if we knew what the Mass really is, we would be willing to risk our lives to attend just one Mass. St. Juan Diego walked 15 miles to attend Mass every day. 
I heard a priest tell a story once. It was about a man named Joe who started going to daily mass. His friend Tom came up to him and said, Joe, what a good guy you are. You go to mass every day. Joe replied, it's not what I'm, it's not that I'm a good guy. If Walmart were giving away a thousand dollars every day, would you go? What mass? I get infinite, get infinitely more than a thousand dollars. To live one's life around the holy mass is a great grace. The wisdom to order this earthly life around what is most important. I have a hunch that at the moment we stand before St. Peter at the pearly gates, we will be given a deep understanding of the value of Mass, and one of our greatest regrets will be that we didn't attend Holy Mass as often as we could. The celebration of the Holy Mass is as valuable as the death of Jesus on the cross. All right, I'm going to stop there. And next week, if I have time to record a podcast episode, I will start reading at chapter 19. Um, if that's what God wants me to do. We'll see what what happens. I don't know. I've just been following his promptings. If I feel the desire that he wants me to record a podcast, I will. But if I don't feel that, I'm not going to because I don't want it to be empty or something that maybe I shouldn't have recorded or wouldn't have as much fruit. Um, I just want to follow God's will for the podcast. So we're just going to follow his promptings for it. Um, I ask that you guys please pray for me. Um, pray, pray for my relationship with my boyfriend, pray for my family, um, and pray for the church and for Pope Francis and, um, Pope Emeritus Benedict and pray for our world and I'll be praying for you guys um I'll be praying for the same intentions as well and I really hope that God blesses your heart in a special way this week and I pray that you attend an extra mass than you usually would if you are able to um and that you are able to go to confession this week as well make it an effort because you can get a plenary indulgence because it's the divine mercy Sunday today and if you follow all the acts of things that you need to do to gain a plenary indulgence, ooh, excuse me, receive communion, go to confession, pray for our Holy Father's intentions, um, do 30 minutes of meditation. What else is there? I think that's it. If I'm wrong, you can also look up um, the things that you need to do to gain a plenary indulgence. And if you don't know what is that is, look it up. Um pretty much it is you can offer a plenary indulgence up for you or a soul in purgatory you can't offer it up for anybody who's living and it if you offer it up in a state of grace um which i would pray that if you go to confession you confess all your sins um but it will completely forgive all of your sins and all of the effects of your sins so even even though we go to confession we still have the effects of our sins on our soul for like when we die we like say when we die we're gonna see the effects of our sins on our souls and the effect that they had on Jesus and we're gonna want to spend time in purgatory because we won't want to spend time with Jesus seeing the having the effects of our sins on our souls um and there's a better explanation I'm sure out there that was just a very short one but um yeah you're able to offer one up for yourself or for a soul in purgatory um what a gift you can pretty much get a plenary indulgence every day, I think. If you pray a rosary or something. I don't know. There was something. I don't remember what my mom was saying. But yeah. Anyways, I'm not going to go on any longer. Um, Yeah. I hope you guys have a great week or whenever you're listening to this. And I hope that God blesses you in a special way.